0: This is Brojo Online, masculinity, confidence, and integrity, with Dan Munro. Good, we're underway. Hello again, and welcome back to Brojo Online, and we've got a very special guest for you today, Kevin Chandler. He's, uh, I've met him through uh, learning about a project that he was doing called We Carry Kevin, and had a fascinating chat with him a couple of weeks ago. And I'm really interested for you guys to meet him. So today we're going to be talking to him about his life, about what he's doing with his project, and in particular focusing on the theme of overcoming adversity, overcoming the challenges that you face in your life and that sometimes seem insurmountable. So Kevin, welcome aboard, mate. It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: I, I don't know how much uh, our viewers you know know you yet, and I think it's it's good if we just kind of start from the beginning, get to know a little bit more about you. So, you know, tell us a bit about um, what's brought you here today and a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Kevin uh, Chandler, and uh, I live in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the States. And um, I am in a wheelchair. i uh, 30 years old. I've been in a chair since I was four or five, I have uh, spinal muscular atrophy and uh, I love to travel and have adventures. And so about a year ago, um, some friends and I decided we were gonna trek around Europe uh, this summer for a few weeks and we were gonna do it without my wheelchair, Um, figured out a a backpack system and uh, they carried me on their backs uh, through France and England and Ireland. And, um, it was, it was an amazing experience, not just to go, but to prepare for the trip and see how, uh, the people around us and really the world, you know, people that we didn't even know just got so into what we were doing. They're really inspired by it. And, um, so that was exciting to see. And, um, and then going on the trip ourselves, um, it was just such an amazing experience so uh we recently got back and um just have a a lot a lot of stories to tell about that and the, the challenges from it and, um, we're just excited to share those yeah.
0: that's awesome man and um yeah i like how you cut straight to the core of it um i like the way you kind of you know you talked about your, your physical condition and then you just go and then i love traveling like it's just another thing about you, right? Yeah. And and that's that's something I really want us to to dive into today. You know, so many people see themselves it's like we talked about the other day. They see themselves as essentially disabled by something. Um and and kind of how fictional that concept is, it's only real if you believe it's real, that kind of idea. I'm really keen to have a look at that um, yeah. from more perspective as well. But before we do that, man, tell us a bit about the trip. Tell us how it went and, and some of the highlights for you.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, we, um, so we were there for three weeks. Uh, we spent a week in each country and, um, uh, you know, we did everything from dancing through the streets in Paris to, um, hiking through the, the hills of the English countryside. Um, we, uh, we had a really amazing couple that we stayed with in England, um, around the Oxtedge, uh Western area. Um, the the wife um, has uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, she was diagnosed about a year ago, and um, so just our our story was something that they're really connected to, and um, so we got to stay with them, and it was it was encouraging to see how they, uh, cause they're a really active couple, uh, in their fifties. And, um, you know, when she was diagnosed rather than like giving up on life, you know, they, they found ways to continue doing what they love to do. And so seeing their positive attitude towards life and, um, seeing that in tandem with what we were doing was really encouraging. Um, and just so spending time with them. And then we, uh, we also ended up uh, in Ireland. Um, we hiked uh, the island of Skellig Michael, which is off the uh, West Coast. Um, if you've seen the new Star Wars movie, it's the island at the end. Uh, and oh, so wow. that's you know, what it's known for nowadays, but uh, at the top is a, uh, a monastery from the 6th century. And uh, so it just... It was a really amazing place to be, um, kind of a, a sacred ground, if you will, like a pilgrimage. And so it was cool to, to do that with the guys and, um, you know, hike up to that and experience that together. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a hundred stories I could I could pour out all day, but that's that's the basic this Right before this, I uh, was at a cookout and, uh, or a barbecue with some friends and... I was about to leave when one of my friends showed up, and they said, okay, real quick, your whole trip in three minutes. And that's basically what I told them. I was like, "Well, I went to Paris, danced around, hiked through England, went to London, and climbed a mountain in the middle of the ocean. They were like, all right, cool, see ya. (laughs) So so yeah, that's uh, the short version of what we did. Um, uh, While we were in France, we went down... uh, just south of, of Paris, about an hour, um, hung out at a gypsy camp down there where there was uh, a music festival going on, so we did that too. Yeah, we just got into as much trouble as we could.
0: That's fantastic, man. And I actually, I quite like it when somebody sort of summarizes their trip because it actually sounds more epic. It's just these big things are happening. It's like, wow um and and that, so and that you know, <laughs> yeah well that's actually the point i was going for you know is that um there are a lot of people who want to ex- have that kind of experience that you just described you know it might be in different countries with different events but it's that kind of epic trip where you're going and doing what you wanted to be doing and kind of ticking things off the bucket list uh and then I believe it's actually because they hear stories like this. It seems so epic and and so overwhelmingly big that that they talk themselves out of it. Which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. I believe you know, having a look at the excuses and the procrastination that people engage in to avoid having these experiences um, and. Travel is just such a big one. There's so many people that promise themselves that, oh, I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world, and they do not follow through on it. And I've done some traveling myself, and you'll know from your trip, it's it's what life's all about sometimes. It's, you know, even if it costs you (laughs) every last dollar that you've got, you won't regret doing it. (laughs) But, you know, and so for me, I always wanted to know, why is it that people don't follow through on this? how is it that they managed to convince themselves that staying in the same old routine day after day is more important than this all the time, you know? Um, So I'm keen to have a look at that and I'm going to be jumping around all over the place because my mind's just a mess. One of the things, you know, we talked about last time just to kind of preempt people as to the kind of mindset you have and how you've developed yourself. You know, we talked about our shared history and working with criminal offenders um tell us all a little bit about your history in terms of the kind of work you've done and, and, and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Um, yeah, so I, I went to uh, a really small uh, Bible college in North Carolina um, several years ago, like 10 years ago, I guess, um, something like that. And um, I got a degree in counseling with a focus in working in a prison. And uh, so I did that for a while during um, my college years and also after. uh, And um, I worked especially with a group that, um, right as inmates are about to get out, maybe I think it was like five to six months before they got out, um, they would go through this program to prepare them for re-entering society. And um, the, the state that it was done in, they saw the recidivism rate just drop dramatically because of that and um, so it was really cool to be part of that program um for for a while and then um i uh, did some other you know just more basic prison work uh with counseling and then um eventually transitioned into working in a rehab which uh, a drug rehab uh that was run by a a group of ex-bikers and uh they're just a really cool bunch and um Uh, it was on a farm and they would just take in guys that were uh, in trouble. Most of them were either getting out of prison or on their way to potentially going to prison. Um, and so I still felt like I was working with the same, same kind of crowd, same kind of mentality. Um, but on a less, uh, extreme situation, you know, I wasn't behind bars. I was out on a farm with some guys and, um, so I really enjoyed that. I actually went to visit last week and catch up with some guys who were in the program when I was working there as a counselor and now they're uh they're like running the one of the houses there, you know. And so they're it's just really cool to see how well they're doing and how well they've um really developed and turned their lives around. Um, it's really amazing guys, you know. Something I was talking to um, with a a friend of mine who went with me is um, realizing that these are good guys. uh, They just have made some mistakes and that has ended up defining them. Um, Some of them are pretty rebellious in general, but some of them really want to do the right thing and are just stuck in a rut, you know. Um, So it's always, it's just always been really great to work with the people like that um, who want to be helped, you know, <laughs> like, we talked about. Um, and, um, so yeah, I did that for a while. Um, nowadays I'm, uh, you know, doing this traveling stuff and, um, working on, uh, using the We Carry Kevin brand, if you will, to, uh, help other families do similar things. Um, working more with the disabled community. Um, yeah, maybe eventually get back to rehab work, but, not right
0: now. I need a break. <laughs> now, this is, this is fantastic because, you know, for all the people uh, watching or listening now, probably one of the things that they're procrastinating, putting off has come up either. So you've gone and done your studying. That's something that a lot of people put off. You've engaged in work that is having a positive impact on the world and sort of putting your strengths to use. That's something a lot of people avoid doing. Uh and you've traveled, you know, you've traveled the world and you've done seen the places you want to see. And that's something that people avoid doing. So by now, I think we would have hit somebody's pain point, something where their life is less than fulfilled because they're avoiding something. And, yeah. you know, th- that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you today is, you know, because of people's preconceptions and even prejudices, they'll see a guy in a wheelchair and they'll assume he's less capable of something. Right, and and I'm obviously I'm keen to hear from your experience what it's been like to to be the you know the recipient of those perceptions to to see how people doubt you or whatever it is that happens in your situation, mm-hmm. um, and and yet you know their, their excuses for for not following through on these things are, are probably far less valid than yours, if anything. You know, and so we can really see this probably about a mindset. It's probably how you view the challenges that you have, and whether or not they're completely insurmountable. Whether or not, uh, you know, what really stood out to me, you you mentioned the the lady was a multiple sclerosis that you met during your travels, and what occurred to me is quite often. Our, our struggle is what shapes us. Our struggle is where our strength actually comes from. And often somebody with the bigger burden placed on them in terms of a struggle, they come up to meet that burden. And it gives them a strength that others who aren't burdened in a similar way do not have the opportunity to build. You know, someone basically, you can see it with someone who's spoiled. Somebody who has an easy life, they end up very incapable when they're older. You know, they they end up unable to kind of to overcome challenges because they haven't been tested they haven't been put through something um so you know if you don't mind getting a little bit personal i'm keen to hear from you Um, what it's been like uh for for you with the your physical challenges um you know what kind of what kind of hurdles that's put in your way over the years
1: um wow that's that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> as
0: soon as I asked it, I'm like, "Damn, that was <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot." <laughs> um, no,
1: no, but it's good, uh, and it's something that I have to, you know, think through. Um, well, I'm I'm 30 years old, so I've been, you know, dealing with this for a long time. It was interesting too because I am um, the disease that I have is uh, progressive, but its onset really early in life. And so even though I've gotten weaker and had more limitations come on me, I grew up understanding that. And like, you know, uh, you know, as I, especially like middle school and high school, as I went through like growth spurts, um, you know, my, my hands would start not working as well. So I'd have to kind of learn how to do things differently. Or um, I remember, Around ninth grade, I uh, had to invest in looking um, to—excuse me—a um, wheelchair that would recline uh, because my my neck was getting tired faster. You know, stuff like that. And so it's always been part of the game, you know, if you will, to uh, to kind of figure things out and um, relearn what I can do and what I how I can do what I, what I used to do, just do it differently. Um, and so it was interesting in college, uh, I had a roommate who, um, uh, he was legally blind, but it didn't start happening until high school. And so he was, it was pretty fresh for him, you know, he was still learning what, uh, what those implications were. Um, had a lot more bitterness to deal with. And, um, you know, I grew up, my sister uh, has the same thing that I have. We lived in a, not lived in a community, but we had friends who had similar disabilities. So I was always around, the disabled people that I was always around were people that grew up with it. And so it was a very interesting challenge to me to see someone that was recently dealing with this, like as a new thing played baseball and ran and rode a bike and all of a sudden he couldn't see the ball go across the plate and he couldn't bike because he couldn't do things soon enough and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so walking through that with him was a a profound experience to me. And after college, I had another roommate who, um, had a, a similar disability to me, but it only affected his hands and feet. And, uh, he, I met him through, he played guitar in a band and his disease when we were living together was progressing faster and, uh, to a point where he was realizing he couldn't play guitar anymore, you know? And so, so I, it's just, it's been a, an interesting, uh, life and experience over the past few years as I've walked through this with other friends and, um, and so, yeah, my, my personal challenges though, have been, um, you know, I, I mentioned I uh, was in a wheelchair around age five um, and um, had a, a spine surgery, spinal fusion, when I was 10. Um, at the same time, I had a, a stomach ulcer that erupted because I just have a really messed up stomach kind of part of not not part of my disease, in that it's a part of the disease, but it's because of how my body's structured, it affected my stomach, and so I had a lot of problems there still do have to be careful of what I eat and how I eat or you know what uh what state I'm in when I eat if i if I'm stressed or anything, it just is awful and um um you know, in the past few years, um, I, uh, well, when I when I was 12 or 13, I broke my arm. And because my disease is atrophy-based uh, and I couldn't move my arm, then it atrophied faster. Um, so I only have the use of my left hand. And recently, over the past maybe two or three years, that started becoming more difficult. Um, so looking at, um, i'm I'm primarily a writer and so looking at well what's that gonna look like in another five years? you know how am I going to be typing or you know what's that gonna look like and um, how how will my wheelchair like will I be able to use it the same way and stuff like that So it's just um, I, I've been really blessed with parents who um, are creative and they're fighters and they love life and living it to the fullest. So they raised me to get up each day and see what I could do and do it, you know, and um, and and even then push push the envelope a bit. So um, so yeah, I've, since I that's what I've grown up with, along with my having my sister beside me, you know, um, it's been. <clears throat> a challenge, but it's been really fruitful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know but, if
0: that, uh, answers the question. Uh, um, that answers a lot of questions, man. And, um, you know, I just want to reflect on some of the key points, you know, as I, as you know, I, I run a community of, of people who get together to work on their confidence and, you know, to overcome whatever their ones are, their their barriers and their struggles. Uh, And so I'm always looking, what are those, those key elements those fundamental factors that people can apply to their lives to get through or work with, you know, the, the things that, that provide a challenge. And you've made just so many key points that I resonate with so much. I just want to reflect on some of them here. Um, And I think the very first one and, and throughout what you were saying, you kind of indicate this understanding, this facing your challenge and and looking into it and exploring it and understanding it as much as you can now in a sense you're you're almost forced to it's not a it's not a challenge you can avoid in your day-to-day life but it represents i think one of the key things that a lot of people don't do well with with their challenges is if it's something they can overlook they they choose to so especially if it's more of a uh what you might call more of a mental barrier there's nothing you can physically see happening with them but they have something like this I-can't-do-it type voice in their head, for example, which I think is, you know, it's, it's far more disabling than, say, not having the use of your legs. The I-can't-do-it, oh. means no moving forward at all, right? Yeah, I would
1: agree, definitely. Um, sorry, are, are you – do you want to make another point? <laughs> I, I, could, I
0: could run with that if you're on, but <laughs> – Well, I, I mean – the 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 coming to understanding this is what i i just the point that really stood out to me is this turning and facing the challenge and 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 asking yourself what is this thing and and you as you mentioned near the end there how's this going to affect me in the future what can i what do i need to prepare for you talked about your um your condition being an atrophy based condition for a lot of people their challenges are atrophy based especially if they don't do anything about it The longer you leave it, the more effect it will have, right? I mean, for me, my version of this is is being the nice guy people pleaser, right? So always looking to please others. And, And I've worked with people around this from a very young age through to their 50s and 60s. And by the time they get 50s and 60s, it has atrophied. You know, it is a huge fundamental foundational part of their life by that stage. It controls everything. They have no idea which part of their life is unaffected if there is any part of their life unaffected and it's created their whole career. It's created their entire relationship, their entire family. It's, it's, you know, it has that effect. Um, So tell me a bit more about, you know, you you mentioned you have really supportive kind of fight for life type parents. Um, What was it that enabled you to really just face your challenges head on and deal with them?
1: Um. You know, I think that they were a big part of that, um, and um, I, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, you know, my faith just really plays into that too. And um, was finding a lot of strength and value um, in in that in that relationship with uh, the Lord, and um, just you know, finding a lot of peace there uh, about my situations and kind of the, the storms of life sort of thing, you know, and, um, people talk about storms of life, you know, in the sense of, oh, this one big thing happened or, you know, this person passed away or I lost my job or, um, storms in my life are more like, well, I don't really feel like getting up today, you know, because I'm just worn out and I haven't even gotten out of bed, you know, (laughs) or, or, um, you know, well, I made plans for this person to help me and it fell through, you know, um, that sort of thing. And so um, just finding peace and, and seeing the value in, in life despite those things, um, just, I, I think, uh, through faith, I think uh, propels me to continue to push through. Um, you know, I we were talking about... Um, um, the, the decisions um, to move forward with life and um, kind of fight uh, against the, the decision to not do anything. and um, Sometimes that is just, you know, so do I just stay in today and play video games and, you know, not deal with um, my disabilities or do I go out and, you know, do I walk up to downtown and, you know, go to the coffee shop or interact with this group of people. Um, But then on a bigger scale, like, you know, um, when I, a few years ago, I I decided, well, do I want to continue to live with my parents where I have 24 hour care, you know, or do I want to try living on my own? You know, do I want to step out, get a roommate or two and, get some other guys to help out and, you know, just, just go for it. Um, and I realized that I did and I, I moved out near my parents, um, just to try it out first. But now, I mean, I live nine hours away from them. You know, I live up in Indiana and I've got about a dozen guys, um, from, uh, from my church and other guys that I've met through them. Um, that come in and it's actually all volunteer, uh, they just come in to help me out throughout the week. And, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of trusting other people. Um, and, uh, you know, I also, again, it was my faith, like trusting that the Lord's going to take care of it all, take care of me. And, um, if he gave me this desire to, live on my own if he gave me this desire to step out and have adventure that he's gonna to some extent he's gonna make it possible you know he's gonna at least open the doors for me to to step through and try it out you know um and so that's that's what i've been doing and i think um that's that was the beginning of this um you know people are like oh you're so brave for going to europe and blah 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 and i'm like I, I feel like it was, that was just a, a repercussion of the brave decision to live on my own, you know? Like, it's just an extension of that. And, um, and so sometimes it's those smaller decisions that add up to be bigger decisions um, in your life, you know? Um, are you gonna overcome your limitations and your fears of those limitations um, and just try or are you gonna yeah are you gonna stay in bed or are you gonna stay at home and watch a movie or if you're gonna go for a walk you know so um, yeah
0: that's I mean that's huge man like f- from what I really you know what I really take away from that there's these two kind of core concepts first you're talking about that acceptance understanding like you can wish for a different way for things to be, but things are the way they are. And as yeah. soon as you get to understanding that, you can deal with it. You can work with what you've got. You've, you're yeah. aware of the actual resources rather than the fictional ones you wish existed. You know, And, and that's huge. I think I, I, I have this debate, I guess, a lot of time with people. They think that acceptance means you'll lose motivation. If you come to go, okay, this is the way things are, that will come with why bother you know. Um, but as you've quite clearly shown that, you know, once you get to, okay, this is the way things are, there's a freedom in that. So, okay, so now I know what I'm dealing with. I know what, what to work with, what my limitations are and what resources I have. And, you know, you start planning and moving forward. Whereas if yeah. you're going, I wish things were different, you can't go anywhere with that information. You just, you're stuck, aren't you? Um, so it sounds to me like one of the main the main sources of support you receive were parents that allowed you, you know, and through your faith to get to a point like this is just the way things are. This is what you were going to be working with. Enjoy, <laughs> D- you yeah. know, do with that what you can.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I, I was, um, I was speaking this morning to a group and uh, they were asking just about things that uh, were really, you know, profound for me on this trip. And uh, one of the things was that one night, um, you know, Paris is full of all these cathedrals and stuff. uh, One night we went for a walk and we found this old cathedral and went inside. And uh, a few of the people that worked there uh, came up to us and uh, they wanted to, um, they said, we we have this statue of of the Mother Mary in the back. and We'd like to take you back there and pray for you. We're like, all right, whatever. And then they were like, because there's been a lot of miracles and healing back there. We were like, Oh, Oh, okay. You know? And it's like, I know that that's part of my faith, but I also, I mean, my experience personally with my faith is I've realized that, um, it's more about my relationship with the Lord and with other people. And it's not about changing my circumstances, you know? And, um, and it, it really, this is kind of a side note, but like it, it really bothered me that instead of looking on us, you know, because I mean, I, I was clearly disabled and I was on the back of this friend of mine, you know, instead of seeing that and being encouraged by it and saying, you know, we, we really love what you guys are doing and showing love for one another and caring for each other, they said, hey, we want to we fix you you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it just goes back to that acceptance and, and realizing, well, this is the position I'm in now. What can I do with it? You know? Um, and that's the acceptance and, um, not saying, well, this is my position. I guess I'm stuck here. Like you said, um, or how can I get out of this position? You know, it's just, just work with what you got, you know, And, and realize, uh, kind of to run with the the faith aspect, like realize the miracle in that, not the miracle of things being different, you know? So in my case, the miracle of amazing friends being able to carry me rather than the miracle of my legs starting to work, you know? So it just seems even more amazing to me than a physical thing happening, you
0: know? So... Wow, that is, that's very profound, man. And Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's, that's quite, it's quite an insight there. So many people think that the solution is about fixing the problem, whereas the real gift is, you know, that problem's going to, it's not really a problem. It's kind of a gift, depending on your perspective, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, put it this way, I think if, if you were fully physically capable walk around, you, you wouldn't have been in a position to meet these guys, these wonderful guys who, so giving that they wanted to work with you to, to travel yeah. with. I mean, the thing is, unless you, you kind of need support, you don't get to meet the people who are supportive. They're some of the greatest people on the planet. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, you know, for some, I, I've been lately, I've been debating the concept of independence with people. A lot of people think of independence as doing things by yourself. I think we talked about this last time. Mm-hmm understanding real independence is about having the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to make use of what's available to you. And, and quite often I think people confuse that. They go, I'll do this by myself. Well, actually a much better way to do it would be to gain support and to humbly accept um, well, wow. the support of others, which will be a gift to them. They 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 will be more fulfilled in having that ability to, to work with you and and both people receive equal value from that. Uh, And I I think that's amazing. If someone sees you, that you're probably traveled more than they have and they go, you need fixing. And you're like, dude, you're missing the big picture here. You know, Um, well, you're busy trying to fix everyone else, you know, you could actually be working on your own thing. Now for me, my belief system is really, um, really close to the Stoics, the Greek philosophy. And there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And I think that that absolutely defines the philosophy is like whatever your issue is, is the way forward. That's the thing that's going to grow you. That's where your satisfaction in life will come from, facing that challenge. And I think the the main theme that's coming through for me about you is that's what you do, is rather than try to get away or fix it, is work with it. Go into it. Make it the life. Make it the reason for what you do. And that's where the real rewards come from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, I I remember uh, when I was younger, I met this lady who was in a wheelchair and she worked for some uh, nonprofit or government agency that helped other people with disabilities. And um, she was just a really strong character, really amazing woman. And I remember her telling my sister and I, she said, um, both are are really bright and really strong spirited and when you get older and go out into a career find something that you can uh, a career that you can work in to help other people with disabilities and I remember thinking like I don't want to do that I want to like live a normal person life you know I want to do my own thing and and prove you know that was the big thing I want to prove that I'm I'm not disabled kind of thing you know People would say, oh, you should write a book about your experience with disabilities. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I want to I wanna be a normal person. And just as time went on, and I, I continued to gain um, assistance from my friends and uh, became more and more, through some specific relationships, I became more comfortable with being disabled. Um, and I think also part of it was a maturity thing. Um I I went from, you know, I have to prove that I am normal, quote-unquote, to realizing, like, no, I'm disabled, and I'm I'm in a position to do exceptional things um, because of the people around me that I've been blessed with and um, and the personality I've been blessed with. And so I need to use that, um, you know, and just embrace it and... And now, like, everything I do is to help other people with disabilities.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I recently, I was hanging out with my sister, and I stopped, and I was like, you know, you remember that? I I guess we were kind of, I'm doing that now, you know? I didn't even mean to. <laughs> I but I think it comes with embracing who you are and, and running with that, really. Because you know? there's no one you can be more nothing you can be more comfortable with than who you actually are once you come to grips with it. You
0: know? you know, when I, when I work with people on helping them design their own business or, or create a career, I always ask them, what's the problem in the world that you want to solve? And I dig into that question, you know, what is the, the pain that you want to help with? And al- always, once you dig deep enough, it's their own pain. That's the one they want to help other people with. It's their own struggle. And there's this kind of beautiful, I don't know, this beautiful relationship with your own problem that once you face it and deal with it, you become equipped to help others with it in a way that no one else can. No one who doesn't understand dealing with it uh, can help them the way you can. And I think about, like, the way I resonate, you, you, you know, for you it was a physical condition. For me it was a mental condition around pleasing other people, seeking approval. It affected my entire life, and I ran away from it for decades. And then when I finally faced it, I now have a career, which is all about helping people with the same issue. And it's my work. It's the most fulfilling thing I could do is to help somebody struggle who's struggling with something that took me, say, seven years to deal with, to help them deal with it in two months or three months. That's the gift. I'm like, I've done the work. <laughs> you know, I can help you do this more effectively. I help you get to acceptance quicker. Um, and, and that's what I, I love about this is what, what I think you really demonstrate is often people perceive themselves as having a weakness without realizing they are looking at their strength. They are looking at the thing that that if they face it in a different way, it will be, it will define their life but not in the way it has been. I won't define their life as a victim, or define their life as a as a kind of a hero, you know. Um, yeah. so I think for for a lot of people, is they just don't know how to make that switch, how to be. This is a disability. To actually, this is kind of my purpose in life. This is the thing that that has created my strength, you know. And one of the things that stood out to me with what you were saying before is this approach where you kind of say, how can I, how can I deal with this? How can I get past this? How can I use this? How can I do that? Rather than just like, should I, you know, there's a very subtle thing there, isn't there? How is it that you came to develop that, that kind of approach to, to your challenges where it's always just, how am I going to deal with this rather than like, can I deal with this?
1: Um, You know, I mean, going back to my parents, I think it started with them. um, And, you know, everything from, like, my dad's an airplane mechanic, so he can fix anything, you know, and kind of a a MacGyver kind of character, you know, and uh, just very creative. And my mom is a a very administrative individual and um, uh, has just uh, lived a life full of Working with people, and they both love to help individuals. Um, but as you well know, working with people, everyone is everyone is unique in some ways. You can't just like have a mass product, cookie cutter answer. Um, you have to look at the situation and be like, "All right, well, how are we gonna deal with this?" You know, and um, and so I just think it's amazing that of all the couples in the world, they ended up with two kids. With disabilities, and they they were just so perfect for it, you know. Because so, yeah, I, I grew up uh, with my dad. Like, you know, my my wheelchair would break down. And he'd say, "Well, all right, how are we gonna fix this?" Or um, I wanted to play soccer when I was in fourth grade or third grade, and uh, and they they said, "Okay, how are we gonna do this?" You know, he uh, welded together a plate for the front of my chair to hit the ball, you know rather than, you know, are you sure this is a good idea or can you do this? It was, all right, how do we do this? Um, and, and so, yeah, it's really, it, it goes back to my parents. But then having friends, um, especially, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are really great and really helpful, um, but I feel like I have, you know, I, I had two friends in high school and maybe three or four, um, since then who are very innovative, um, you know, and just that they, they look at a situation and figure out how we can do it. Um, and, you know, everyone else is helpful, but these ones are the ones that come up with the ideas. And, uh, and so the fact that I've, I've been surrounded by those people um, has been a huge help uh, in fostering it in myself, as well. Um, but I'm, I'm also, you know, my sister has has always said that I'm kind of the go-getter and, um, I come up with an idea and before I think through it, I just go for it. So then once you're in the middle of it, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You know, (laughs) so we, uh, some of the guys actually went to Europe with me a few years ago. We were like, we should explore the sewers underneath our college. And, uh, so we made up this weird backpack frame, wrapped me up in it, and we got down to the sewers. And then we had to figure out how we were gonna really—I mean, then you're in the middle of it, and it's like, all right, well, we can't get over this pipe. Well, let's take Kevin off and pass him over, or you know, this part we gotta squat down. And how are we gonna do this part? You know, it's—I think that's the fun thing—is psych yourself out to get into the middle. And then you figure your way, you know, either figure your way out or figure your way further in from there. Either way, you're going to have an adventure. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, if we could somehow plant that understanding in the minds of everybody, you know, the world would be a completely different place. You know, right. the, You know, it's... I think you've really just, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. And, and I think that's what I was digging for, that how can I type question. I, it's something I resonate with deeply. I throw myself into it, and then I have to get through it. I don't I don't allow this pre-planning thing to get in the way of actually being involved in the issue itself, whatever it is, especially with business. Um, yeah. and, and that's what you've done, isn't it? It's kind of like, rather than, okay, what steps one through 10 going to look at? I'll just start doing step one and trust myself to somehow get through this. Yeah. And this is one of the key things I always try to help people understand: is if they're alive right now, it means they got through everything so far. It's a very obvious point, it seems, um, and and yet they don't see that. They see some challenge coming up. That oh, I can't deal with this. How am I, You know, I just don't think I can do this and so you dealt with everything so far you've got a pretty good track record you know I'm sure you'll get through this next thing or you'll die trying which means you know suffering's over anyway so it's kind of like you know and I think what we're sort of there's some key points coming up first you've got to face your challenge you've got to accept it as a friend and go how am I going to work with this thing for the rest of my life how am I going to work either around it or through it or use it as a strength you know Um, This kind of how can I approach? And then we get to really, I think the, the key thing that your story demonstrates more powerfully, almost anything else is, is I guess working with support. And, and this is a cute, you know, for me, one of my, my real biggest disabilities throughout my life is this, this concept of independence. I have to do everything by myself. And, there's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And and that one really, I think, speaks to what we're talking about today. So tell me, because this is where I think people get stuck. Tell me about how you overcame your barriers to working with support. Mm.
1: Well... The short answer is, I'm an extrovert, so I love having people around. <laughs> so, but, um, but no, I, I can go further into it. Um, in fact, I, I was talking with some guys last night about um, this hindrance that we have as as men. Um, I think it's built into our our frame to uh, in our mindset um, that we find a lot of self worth and productivity. And, uh, and so in the same sense uh, we have this independence mindset of, well if I can be productive if I can do this thing on my own that, that is something of greatness uh, and so that's something that we have to fight through we have to push through because it's not right you know, just like you said it, um, we can go further and we can do more with, with the right people alongside us uh, sometimes you can have too many Chefs in the kitchen, you know, but <laughs> too many cooks in the kitchen. But uh, when you have the right group of people um, who are working together, building each other up, and being productive, then it can be a really beautiful thing. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about independence, I also realize, um, you know, when I moved out of my parents' house, when I moved halfway across the country, <laughs> I, uh, the word that I used was so I can live independently. But really, you know, it's I'm I'm more dependent on more people than ever before. Um and and it's a good thing, you know, because I do live technically on my own, you know, I I have that freedom and um, and I, I live in a place where I can go down the sidewalk by myself to the store, the shop, or you know, whatever. And, um, but I'm—I can only do that because I have a dozen guys helping out. I have, you know, I—I I know, I can only go downtown because I know everybody downtown, you know. So if I need anything, they're there, you know, or um, you know, at, at my church, and you know, I—I I know everyone in the office, and, um, that sort of thing. I—I I can. My life is only possible because I'm surrounded by people. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I just love being inclusive. Um, I, I've been, I've been at the house here for about 45, well, 55 minutes an hour on my own. And the only reason I'm still doing okay is because I'm talking to you. I hate being by myself. So, so, um, uh, so my roommate should be here any minute actually, which is good. But, um, but yeah, so I, I love inclusion. I love being with people. And I know that's not always the case with everyone. Um, I, I have other friends with disabilities who, you know, if they could, um, just be on their own all the time, just cause they're, um, introverts, you know, they just like to be by themselves and they would, but, so I know that it is a struggle for some, um, you know, and on our trip, um, as much as I love being around people, I was surrounded by seven to 10 people, 24 seven. And there were, there were a couple of times when I was like, guys, I, can you just sit me in the other room for a few minutes, you know, to get my thoughts together and kind of, you know, have a minute to myself. Um, so I know that that's a thing, but, um, uh, you know, and, and I know, like, uh, with my sister, uh, she um, she requires a lot of help as well. But with being a girl, she has a lot more, um, you know, intimate needs uh, than I do. And I'm just kind of a guy. I'm like, I mean, I, I had a conversation with a friend once about, well, if I was in public and I didn't know anybody around, could I ask someone to take me to the bathroom, you know? I was like, well, yeah, if there was a guy around, you know, and he seemed not sketchy, then sure, I'd ask him. You know, whereas I know someone like my sister, which is, you know, she'd black out before she asked him, you know? So, so I know part of it is my personality, um, but I think um, it's it's just a good combo of personality and like we said, accepting the reality that I do need this help, and so, might as well just run with it and embrace it. Um, yeah, that's the the biggest thing, is being, um, what's the word? Being okay with what I need and how I need it. You know?
0: Now, I think this is a key point because. This is where I think people's biases and judgments will come in. They'll look at you and think, well, he obviously needs help. And yet they don't think the same of themselves because they're not in a wheelchair or whatever. Mm. And it's, it's it's, it's such a crazy thought. All of us needed teachers to learn things at school. All of us needed someone to hire us to get a job. We've always needed each other. It's it's the very nature of our species. We're not tigers roaming around alone, completely self-functioning. We are a communal species where our strength comes from working together. And yeah. you can deny this. You can live a life where you absolutely prevent others helping you. And all that does is limit you. There's no freedom in that. There's just a yeah, prison. of the most you can miserable. do is what you're capable of, right? Yeah,
1: you'll just be miserable. <laughs>
0: It's so ludicrous. Like I said, somebody looks at you and they think it's, think it's obvious, and they think they're different somehow. And yet, whatever their barrier is, that is their prison, unless they get support, unless they work with others who can provide the additional missing piece. You know, and and I'm I'm as guilty of this as anyone. One of the reasons it took me, you know. Two years to get this Brojo thing really running properly is because for a large part of it I avoided assistance. I was trying to do it all on my own, and as soon as I brought other people in to help me and let them help, I was like, "Oh, this is such a better deal!" You know, they're getting something out of it. They they get to be part of this. They feel like they're giving, and uh, and this whole thing just works so much better because they make up for my weaknesses. For example, like I can't design anything. I'm so. Like I can be an artist in terms of music and dance, but drawing and and design I'm just terrible. Like everything I come up with just sucks. But if I was to continue going, no, I'm gonna do all my own designs, everything I did would look like crap, you know. I bring someone else in and now my problem with design isn't a problem anymore because they can do it. And they get so much reward out of doing it as well. We make sure that everyone kind of gets a piece of the rewards and it just works out. And And so for someone to to look at your situation and think that you're different to them somehow is completely irrational. It's just, it might be physically obvious to the eye, but it's absolutely no more of a disability than any of their particular shortcomings, weaknesses, whatever you want to call it. You know, and I think that's the main message is that, that humility, we all actually do need help. There's this kind of thing we talk about in Brojo. You leave a... baby alone, you can give it food and and everything it needs, a newborn baby but if you do not give it any sort of affection or support from a human, it will die we are born needing each other Um, and why would we sacrifice that beautiful gift out of this pride of doing it by yourself, it it just does not make sense Um, but there's, there's one, there's kind of one of the last, I guess, I mean a key thing is how to how to generate that support. But you've also identified sometimes you've got people automatically in your life, like your parents and you're lucky to have that kind of support. Others you had to go find, you had to go find a place where they're likely to be. You went to your church and you found people who are already mind had that mindset of, yeah, I want to get involved and help people, you know, people who are looking to volunteer, things like that. Those kind of people who are going to be good support. They are kind of obvious, you know, it's, they're not that hard to find really. Um, but you have to go looking for them. You have to put that effort in. You have to put away your pride and go, I want help. Who's a good person to help me? And then go out and ask for that help. And it's all balance. You go into the prisons, you help guys. You go into the farms, you help guys. You give, they give, everyone gives, and it's all good. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. balance. Yeah. Well,
1: and that, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think a, a major key to that, um, to going and finding help, uh, especially in like a physical regard. Um, I know it's not always physical, but, um, even if it's like needing counsel, you know, if you need, if you just need company, you know, something, um, part of that, I mean, you, you gotta, you need to be not to change yourself, but you need to be someone that people want to help, you know, to some extent. And that doesn't mean, hiding your needs it means uh encouraging them you know and um being open about your needs but um uh what's the word um you know i i don't know just i does that make sense like you need to encourage people you need to give be be ready to give back as well um you know in that sense um you know, if you if you just even you know, I mean, whatever community that you're in, no matter how giving they are, if you just come in wanting, wanting, wanting and meeting, 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 and you're not willing to uh you know, I think you use the word like you're if you're not willing to humble yourself and come in and say, This is where I am um you know, can we work together? Um you know, and can we work together because I love what you're doing, you know, if you don't encourage and you don't humble yourself, then why, why should people (laughs) help you? And I know that there are extreme situations where people are at the end of their rope, and so I don't want to exclude that, you know, I mean, there have been moments when I, I have friends who, um, we have an understanding that sometimes I'll call and say, hey, you guys want to come over and watch a movie or you, know, you want to go get something to eat? And they understand that I'm just doing that because I, I want to hang out with them. But then if I call and say, Hey, I, I really need help. You know, I need I need you to get me up tomorrow. Are you able to do that? You know, then that's different. Or, or I'll say, Hey, do you want to go get something to eat? Because I'm stuck at my house. You know, like I, I need this. So they know that there's a difference between, uh, wanting to hang out with them because they're a friend and wanting to hang out with them because I actually meet them and, and making sure that, like you said, there's a balance of that, you know? And, um, so yeah, again, I, I know not everyone is the same. And so it's, I hope it's not a blanket statement, but you need to be prepared to, um, uh, humble yourself and bring, something, you know, something to the table, even if it's just humility and encouragement. Because um, we, we just, we got to build each other up, you know, we gotta, that's the only way that this thing is going to work. <laughs> you know, it's called humanity.
0: <laughs> well, that, that really raises a key point because, you know, we've been talking about essentially helping the people who are too independent for their own good. There's also those who leech off others. They take and take and take. They call that getting support. They don't realize the reciprocal nature of support is when you're going to receive help from someone, you give. There are some ways where it's very practical, like someone will pay me for coaching. That's an example of a reciprocal relationship. Other times it's like you give them recognition and appreciation for the support they give you, and that is the reciprocal nature of it. Sometimes it's like, okay, you do this for me, and I'll do that for you. There's, it's not so much about how it's done. It's coming in with the mentality that this is an equal giving relationship. Not, I want to come and take some shit for free, you know? Yeah. And, um, well,
1: and, and sorry, and that's a good point too. With the like with your coaching, um, sometimes the way they can people in that situation can give back is simply by taking your advice and using it, you know, and doing it. And it's like, man, I'm. I feel like I'm being paid back just by watching you grow, you know. <laughs> like that's, you know. So the way you give back is, it can vary. Um, but yeah, being being someone that people are gonna want to help is a big thing about it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really key point. You know, you we've all had this someone who comes to you for advice and then doesn't take it, and then they come back again and again and they keep living their life the same old way, it feels like you're, you're losing something. It feels like something's being taken from you, your time, your energy, something. And you realize it's just like, dude, if you want my help, use it. That's the best way you can pay me back. You know, it's yeah. like a parent raises their child. The child never really pays them for that service, you know. But a child who goes out and tries, like I have no doubt, your parents feel with you, the fact that you took – their support and their encouragement and you went out and did shit you know they like yes we are we're good parents you know we've you've given them the reward of having an impact on you and um and that I think is the most basic probably the most basic premise for this if you want someone to give you support go to them with the intention of, of putting that support to use and that will be the best way you can really give back they get to have an impact on the world they get to feel significant You've allowed them, you've given them the gift of significance. And, I mean, is there any, really any better gift you can give someone to say you matter? You know, you are an important thing in this world. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic, man. There's one last point. I mean, I knew we were going to go over time because it's just yeah. such an epic discussion. But there's one last point I really wanted to hone in on because I think this is the number one barrier for people moving through the big challenge that they face uh, I think you use the word bitterness. Is what happens, you know, and we've all got this. We have our challenge, our so called disability. And sometimes we just go, oh, this is unfair. You know, this, I don't want this. This, why does other people not have this, ah, and this bitterness about the cards you've been dealt? What are yeah. your tips for dealing with that bitterness? <laughs>
1: when you said this is not fair, all I could think of is that. My one of my favorite books uh, to read, I've lost count of how many times I've read it. Uh, and you know, it's a movie as well as the princess bride. Um, oh yeah. They say, yeah, they say life's not fair. Anyone who says otherwise, it's selling something. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the great, it's the great lie that we, we embrace for some reason is that, uh, life should be fair or that we have a right, you know? And, um, and you know i think I think that's a big thing is realizing at the end of the day, um the you know because we live in a culture, I think most of the world honestly lives in a culture of what what I deserve and what rights I have. We have this you know laundry list of rights that we we fight for, where at the end of the day, I mean. You know, we have the right to be alive and breathing. <laughs> you know, and the rest of it is just it's just a gift. You know, and um, and yeah, I, I guess to give an example, uh, a really a very practical example um, in reference to the trip. Uh, sorry, uh, in reference to the trip that we made. Uh, In preparation for it, we were designing the backpack uh, for me to be carried in. And, um, you know, we we had a frame and we were trying to make all the adjustments. And I'm really comfortable in my wheelchair. And at first, we were trying to set it up, the backpack, uh, in a way that I would be just as comfortable in the backpack as in my wheelchair. And and I I talked with a few guys who do a lot of hiking and backpacking and they said you know the thing about hiking is that there are practical comforts you know in that like you don't want to you know wear on your skin or you don't want to um you don't want to get injured basically <laughs> um but then there's comfort for comfort's sake and when you're hiking or backpacking that goes out the door you know like if you If you have shoes that are really good um, that allow you to walk comfortably for, you know, four hours, well, then stop after four hours, you know, take a break, take them off, put them back on and keep going. You know, um, and the same was with the backpack. They were like, you know, we can get it to a certain comfort level, um, but this isn't a luxury thing. Like, you're, you're doing this to... Uh, travel and to experience the world not to be comfortable necessarily all the time and so we got it I mean again to a practical comfort level but um, you know there were times when like my hip would start to get sore or my knee would cramp up you know and so we we just stop and take a break you know and so kind of going running with that idea that um, you know it, it wasn't I didn't have a right to be like perfectly comfortable. I I didn't even need to be perfectly comfortable. Um, I what I needed personally was to see the English countryside. You know, I needed to travel and I uh, needed to uh, be on the streets of Paris. Um, I didn't I didn't need to you know uh, have my my rear end feeling perfect the whole time, like it was sitting on X-Lounge, You know, so so I don't I don't know if that helps uh, convey the idea that um, we just we need to. Uh, it goes back to the the humility aspect that we just we need to realize that um, you know I'm alive and I have friends and um, what more can anyone ask for? And everything else is just details, you know. Um, and the things that you're unhappy with, I mean, work on them, you know, but don't let it ruin your life. Don't let it ruin your day. Um, just look around you. And usually if there's if there's a pile of things you're unhappy with, there's usually other things that you can be thankful for too. Um, and I personally have just chosen... Again, partially because of my faith I've, I've chosen to look at those positive things and um, and let those be my reinforcement um, rather than dwelling on my issues um, i don't I don't know I just feel like I, if I dwelled on my my issues my discomfort my limitations um i I would be I'd be Scrooge. <laughs> I just wouldn't know what to do with myself. Um, instead, I, you know, I woke up this morning. and was like, well, it's a sunny day. This is good. It's going to be a nice day. And uh, the ramp outside my door is not going to be slick, you know, from rain. So, you know, that's a good thing. All right, let's go. I, uh, my friend came to get me up that I haven't seen in seven weeks because of my travels. And, um You know, I was thankful to see him, you know, get a hug from him when he came in. Um, I didn't really worry about the fact that we were going to be at least 10, 15 minutes late for my speaking engagement, you know, because what mattered more to me than running late was being with a friend, you know. And so just embracing the, the positive things and, um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. Um, And and realizing that the negative things are just part of life, you know, that they're always going to be there to some extent. Um, I I kind of, sorry, last last thing is um, the place, the church that I spoke at this morning, afterwards I was talking with a lady who, She and her husband, about 15 years ago, adopted two little boys from Russia. And in the court, uh, in Russia, when they were asked, um, you know, when they were being asked the questions about adoption, uh, these two little boys were disabled. And uh, the court actually asked them, um, why would you want to ruin your life by having these two boys with disabilities? And the mom responded just beautifully. Um, I'm getting chills now thinking of it. She said, um, "Their disability is a part of who they are, but it's not who they are, and they have so much more value than just that." And um, and so I I love them and I want to take them home and take care of them, you know. And so I I think that we can all realize that that our our disabilities and our limitations are just part of who we are. They're not our entirety. They're not the entire world, and um, the world's a big place. So,
0: yeah. yeah. that's epic, man. That is that is. Epic. <laughs> cool. Um, I mean, the overall thing that comes through for me is there's two things. One is acceptance. The other is responsibility. You. You look at your life and you just accept the way things are. You look for the gifts that come beyond being alive and just breathing and and you appreciate them. Uh, And then you go, okay, if I want other stuff, it's me that has to do something about it. I have to work with others. I have to do whatever it takes. I have to put aside all shame and humility and just be willing to do whatever it takes. You know, I like the idea of there's a certain level of comfort you need for survival and then there's comfort for just comfort's sake that you can sacrifice to go for the things that are really important. Yeah. Comfort like uh, avoiding the issue you want to face, comfort like feeling good physically. These are things you can sacrifice for something that's so much more worthwhile, something that's so much bigger. And when you've had enough of that discomfort, just take a rest. And then yeah. when you're ready, you start again. And and that's I mean, that's such a process you could take to anything, whether it's, traveling, starting a business, getting into a relationship, take as much discomfort as you can handle for the important thing, and then when you've had enough, take a break until you're ready again. I mean, that is Um, the absolute formula for life.
1: Yeah, and and finding the the balance of, um, you know, if you have discomfort, but the thing you're going for is worth it, you know, push through. You know, I mean, some things are just worth that. Um, You know, I, I actually... Uh, two days before we climbed Skellig Michael in Ireland, uh I fell and messed up my foot. I sprained it really bad, and uh the whole hike up there, every left step that the guys made because my foot is basically strapped to their hip, so every left step that they made my I just felt pulsing through my whole leg um, and it was it was painful, and part of me was like why am I doing this? Why am I up here? But also I'm looking around me. I'm experiencing this place, this Island, the, the love that my, my friends have for me, like all these amazing experiences culminating into this painful step, you know, every pulse of that pain was worth it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I, I, it almost made it even more, more valuable, you know, um, because there was a risk there was a pain so yeah, this you know even even when you reach the brink of your comfort level um, saying okay, now evaluate what I want to do, evaluate what's in front of me um, is it is it worth pushing further and if it is go for it.
0: Ah, uh, that is that's beautiful, man. Yeah, the idea, and I really like that idea that the pain will actually enhance the reward. You know, when you have to earn something, it tastes better, doesn't it? You know, when you've you've had to go through something for the achievement, more than especially when it was more than you thought you had to go through. You just you really, it's like uh, if I'm working with say a guy on his social skills or his confidence or whatever. If he has to go through like a lot of anxiety and pain to end up going on a date, it doesn't matter how the date goes. He's like, I can't believe I made it here because of what he had to go through. He appreciates it so much more. Whereas like a really naturally socially confident guy could go on 10 dates without any fulfillment. You know, he hasn't had to earn that. He has, there's no pain threshold he had to cross. Um, look, there's been so much gold today, man. I feel like I could talk to you for a week and I'm probably going to have to talk to you again. uh-huh." Um, Exactly. There's so much, so much more I have to go um, go through. Um, but, I mean, to wrap things up, I'd really like um, for everyone to hear a bit more about We Carry Kevin and, and what they can do to either get involved, support it, promote it, or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, now that we're back from the trip, it's, we're kind of in this period of time where we're figuring out what what it means uh, now, you know, what We Carry Kevin is uh, our goal uh, this week actually I'm gonna arrange some meetings uh, to work towards uh, turning that name into a non nonprofit um, because our our desire now is to help other people um, I you know I, I think our our motto right now uh, is help as many people as possible do as much as possible um, and so we yeah we just Uh, We've had a few families with uh, kids that are disabled reaching out to us, asking about the backpacks that we use. We're we're coming alongside them um, because everyone's unique. We're we're helping them to design something that works for them. Um, We want to help adults with disabilities make trips that they otherwise wouldn't be able to, Um, you know, whether it's helping them figure out their medical needs or helping them raise funds to do it or both, you know whatever the case may be. So that's the direction we're going. Um, And, and the guys that I went on the trip with, we are definitely gonna, you know, have more adventures ourselves, uh, just because that's who we are. But, um, but our goal right now is to help other people and kind of give back, you know, like we've been talking about. Um, I'm writing a book about the trip uh, that we took and uh, we're making a documentary film um, both of which will be out in the spring of 2017. Um, so you can keep an eye out for that. But if uh, if people just Google We Carry Kevin um, or go to wecarrykevin.com, um, they can get information. We're on Facebook. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are honestly the best places to connect with us. Um, Kevin is spelled K-E-V-A-N, uh, We Carry Kevin. And so... Yeah, if people want to follow us on there and um, as, as things arise, whether it's announcements or needs, uh, especially as we work with other families, there may be times where they need something that we're like, all right, uh, real quick, we got to do a fundraiser for this amount of money to help this family, you know, or maybe we'll just have a story to tell about a family, you know. So uh, if you sign up, you're not going to be, asked for money every five minutes, but <laughs> but most of it is stories and encouragement. Um, people have been really encouraged by the Facebook and Instagram feed, um, different stories that we've been able to tell about our community and, and people that we've been able to interact with, and, um, and our our story of you know brother brotherly love and self sacrifice. Um, it's been an encouragement to me and. Um, seems like others have been as well. So so yeah, people want to just follow along what's going on and um when when people are called to action they'll they'll be there to know.